0: There's no other reason to show that clip other than the fact it's like my favorite show. No, I promise it like is a thing, don't worry. Um, my name is Chris Kimston. I am the Young Adult Admissions Minister here at Lutheran Church of Hope. A big welcome to all of you. Uh, I get the opportunity this morning to say from both myself and all of the staff, we hope that you and your family and your friends, whoever you celebrated with, had a very, very Merry Christmas. And a special thank you to people who uh, either worshiped or volunteered their time at either the services here at the Ingersoll Campus or at the, uh, at, of course, at the, the Wells Fargo uh, extravaganza, let's say, that happened. And let me just say, it's not about the numbers. That's not why I bring these things up. Um, but we packed an almost 17,000-seat arena twice and then two-thirds full the third time. It's absolutely incredible. That's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah, sure. No, that's, that's great. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. That's one of my favorite pictures. I actually got to uh, serve um, or help uh, take offering in that section it 's like at the very top in the corner it 's like really hard to get to and we didn't expect that. I know it's like you didn't expect people to show up if you're having your church at Wells Fargo. We actually didn't have enough offering baskets. Anybody who was there um, might have known if they had to sit up high. Uh, We never expected to have to open that tippy top section. So I and my wife and some other folks were just uh, helping usher and take offering and all those different things and so we're like tearing the edges off of boxes and walking around and thankfully I had my Hope staff badge because if somebody just walked up to you and was like yeah it's offering time and hands you like a paper box you're going to be like okay buddy like <laughs> I'll wait for it but it was a holy mess in the best way. We, we use that at this campus a lot of times. Um, things are crazy, and sometimes things aren't exactly like you planned them to be, but God was in that place. So I know that um, a big celebration at Wells Fargo might have made, made you wonder how uh, that was going to go, but the true spirit of Christmas was there. And the reason I bring up the numbers is because, one, it takes an incredible amount of Uh, Help to pull that off people running around trying to find extra programs people distributing the little wristbands uh, People just giving of their time and their energy. So absolutely. Thank you for uh, those of you that did that and that many people took some time a significant amount of time out of their You know busy the busiest season around to hear the Christmas story and I think that that's something that's worth celebrating. And I think that it's it's an incredible thing that they showed up to do that. And so, from the bottom of our hearts, from my heart, and the rest of us as staff, whether you were just here, um, you were here to worship and brought family, or whether you uh, you volunteered your time, just a big thank you. So, just hear that from me and from us. Very Merry Christmas to all of you. Now we're into a new season and. Uh, My question is, are there any other PAMs in the room? PAMs meaning, you know, the office administrator in that. Uh, Anybody, any New Year's resolution folks here? Anybody that likes New Year's resolutions gets pumped about it? You don't have to be ashamed. I am one of them. Very few. That's all right. Um, Just Molly and I, apparently. That's great. I get really excited. And we're not alone because statistically we found out... Apparently, Americans especially, we get really excited about New Year's resolutions. Those of us who are more uh, artistically inclined than myself uh, make big glittery boards full of uh, goals that we're going to make in our lives. We uh, We make these grandiose lists and charts of things we're going to change about ourselves and things that we are going to conquer, mountains we are going to climb in this new year. And then there's also folks like Dwight and the rest of them that aren't so much about it because... Maybe this is just another year where nothing else changes. But most people have a little bit of a goal in a new year. And for those of us that make resolutions, which like I said, we're in the majority, um, there are quite a few of them, and uh, as many people that make resolutions, that's how many different ones there could be. Uh, for our, off- our friends in the show, The Office, if you've ever seen this episode, Angela, um, somebody on the show, wants to make more time for a significant other, Andy wants to learn how to cook, for one, because he's alone, and Kevin wants to eat more vegetables. Uh, a really interesting character named Creed wants to learn how to do, and I quote, one perfect cartwheel. So maybe that's your goal, it should be mine, I've never done one. but. More likely, your goals are going to be these ones. Uh, A major news outlet studied last year what the top five New Year's resolutions were this past year, and they are as follows. Number five was spend less slash save more. Uh, Two ways to say the same thing, basically accumulate more wealth. Number four was learn new hobbies. Spend your life doing something a little bit different. Number three, live life to the fullest, whatever that means to you. Number two was get organized, and number one was get healthy. Now, these are great things. Maybe they're some of your, maybe they've been your resolutions in the past. Maybe they're one of yours now. Um, And really good things to hope for, but this news study that was done found that it's not just a little bit that they wanted these things to happen. People didn't just want to be healthy. They found out that they actually wanted to get really fit, uh, drastically changing their outward appearance. They didn't just want to be organized, they wanted to declutter uh, their house. I don't know if you've seen the the new popular books of decluttering everything. Um, Getting rid of tons of stuff in their house so they'd never be messy again. They wanted to live life more fully, Um, statistics show most people wanted to travel to distant lands to live life more fully, traveling halfway across the world so that that would make them happy instead of where they were currently at. They didn't want to just take up hobbies like running, they wanted to run marathons and they wanted to cut spending in half while making twice the amount of money, you know, making accumulating wealth like never before, sounds nice, right? We, myself, Molly, Pam, those of us that get excited about resolutions, we really make those. We make huge goals because, and this is true for all of us, I think, in different ways of life, even if it's not New Year's resolutions, we think that big changes, we think that big steps, these big hopes and dreams that we have are going to be the thing that fix it, whatever it is for you. It's going to be that thing that makes us happy, that gives us life like never before. Like you heard Daniel read in our scripture reading this morning, we find the main characters in our Christmas story just a little bit after the Christmas story. It's uh, Mary, Joseph, and six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus and they're traveling to the temple in Jerusalem just a short time after Jesus was born. And uh, they're fulfilling a Jewish ritual that, in the time in which parents presented their baby at the place of worship to God. Uh, similar, at least, in outward appearance to we had a baptism last night. And it it's, looks similar, maybe different function, but the same type of idea where here is my child dedicating to God. And so they were there at Jerusalem at the biggest temple possible to do that. Now, there's this guy named Simeon that's there, and uh, Simeon kind of comes out of nowhere. He's this older man and starts raving about this baby. So beyond a a strange old man walking up to a family that has a newborn and starts just yelling at them about their child, there are some things to consider in this story. It actually says that Simeon uh, surprised Mary, or Joseph and Mary were, like, amazed at the things that Simeon said. Keep in mind, these are the parents that found out they were pregnant by angels. So he had to really make a scene in order to amaze or shock those people. It said that Simeon was a righteous man, which meant that he spent a lot of time there abiding by the laws of the Torah. But what we need to know about that is basically, the Bible's telling us is that he had a relationship with God. It might've looked different than it does for us today, but he was listening for God and he found something. Now, he uses this word that I'd like to zero in on as the Messiah. It's, in the Greek, it's translated the Christ. But it, what the translators decided to do is hearken back to an old, word, oh, an old Hebrew word called the Messiah. And you, I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence. You might say, Chris, I get it. Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, all those those things. I've heard that before. But I think it's really important for us to understand um, what the writers were thinking of when they wrote it and what the characters in the story would be thinking of when they're hearing uh, this word, Messiah. And it actually, to do that, is kind of a Cliff Notes version of the Bible, which is helpful, um, but we do have to do that in order to get the full understanding. Now, the Messiah is a promised character, so in the beginning, Adam and Eve chose to be away from God, and people kept making that choice, whether they were kings or just regular people. They kept doing bad things. Kings would like kill uh, soldiers, uh, these soldiers so that they could steal their wives. They'd start civil wars over frivolous you know, arguments. People started worshiping idols and um, all sorts of different things and they kept choosing to be away from God, and it just happened time and time again for thousands of years. But there were these people that would pop up every once in a while called uh, prophets. Now they spoke on behalf of God, and they said a lot of different things, but one of the things that's like a thread that kind of uh, ties a lot of these people together is they kept talking about this Messiah, this leader that was going to reconcile the people of God back to God himself in a way that They hadn't been since Adam and Eve made that first decision. Now, it also said that he would reconcile the nation of Israel, and it was said that the Messiah would come from the line of David, which basically just means he he was going to be David's relative. Now, people at the time of Jesus really liked this idea that he was going to come from the line of David because David, you know, David and Goliath killed the giant. After he kills the giant, he becomes one of the biggest, most successful kings that. Israel had ever seen, successful, I mean, in the ways of conquering and, you know, um, he had his own challenges, but the nation of Israel was very powerful uh, when he was king. And so they really liked this idea because at the time, Israel, just like everybody else, was under the conquest of the Roman Empire, one of the biggest, even to this day, one of the biggest empires that have ever existed on the face of the earth. They're not on top anymore anymore. They're an oppressed people. They're very low on the totem pole of importance. And so the idea that this Messiah, this person, is going to come in, this David 2.0, the big, strong, conquering man, is going to come in and fix all of their problems. And once again, they are going to be on top. And this was the basis of their expectation. They expected a conquering force, a knight riding in with a sword on a horse, a military leader who would crush their enemies like the kings of the past, And restore the nation to its former glory. But notice in this story, Simeon seems to be seeing something else. He's using this word that people know. Picturing that. He's calling it, he's calling that name out to a baby. There's something else I think going on. And a point that I would like to hammer home maybe for you and offer up to you this morning is, sometimes the biggest things come the smallest places. That was certainly affirmed for me in our uh, Advent um, missions project that we undertake every year. It's called Joy to the City. It's a specific mission to um, Edmonds uh, Elementary School, which is right near the Oak Ridge neighborhood. I don't know if anybody's ever um, knows where that is. It's just a few minutes away down by Smoky Row. And there are a lot of, not only immigrants, but refugees that live there. People who are fleeing from name the atrocity that is present on the earth, these people have seen it, whether it's famine, whether it's um, religious persecution, uh, military violence, all of these different things, and for many different reasons, these different folks from places all over the world have settled in this neighborhood in Des Moines, just a few minutes away from this church. And so, um, the la- over the last couple of years, uh, we've started this project where it's basically adopt a family. We find out what we can give, bless them with for Christmas. This year, we uh, adopted 32 families, which is more than we've ever done before, which is great. And then, uh, I think there were 172 individual people in those 32 families. Each person had a card, things we could get them for Christmas, we, uh, the guidance counselor there, Megan Cruz, she's awesome, and she helped, figure out the, helped these families figure out what to ask for. We put those people in nice envelopes and then put them on the back of that tree back there. Now, this is my first advent on staff, and this is my first time kind of heading up this project, and I was looking, you know, after the five o'clock service, there was some that went, but I was like, you know, it's just a few weeks until Christmas. I, I went up to John afterwards and I was like, John, should we be worried? That not all the cards are gone yet. Like, like, when do I have to start, you know, panicking? When do I have to start, like, taking, like, nine of these for myself? Like, what, what do I do? And he's like, Chris, it's okay. You know, historically, it takes a couple of weeks in order for all the cards to come off. You know, we have more than we ever have before. Don't worry, it's going to be fine. I said, okay, sounds great. By Monday, which is, you know, just a couple of days later, I kept getting phone calls because. All of the cards were gone in those first three services. Everybody was so generous with their time and um, and are in their um, just willing to bless these families from these cards. But then it's completely out of my hands, so it's the second wave of anxiety. I'm like, okay, we'll see, uh, we'll see what comes in. And we told people to start putting their gifts under the tree when they were ready. And under the tree, they started because they. You put them under the tree, and we stacked them up around the tree, and by the time last week that I took those in, it overflowed out of the lobby, up that hallway, and basically to the door were all of these gifts for these families. I actually... um, the. I took them in last Wednesday, on Tuesday I came in and moved the gifts in here to try to make sure we had something for every family. And I started stacking, mind you, the gifts for the family backed by Eric in the sound booth and it went all the way around the sound booth, all the way up this wall and halfway on stage. You can see all these gifts here. It was absolutely incredible and it's because of your guys' generosity that this happened. so I got the opportunity to bring these into this family's last Wednesday. And the way that it worked is you put these on these tables that had um, these numbers to pr- protect the identity of these families that are receiving these gifts. People would come in after school um, and pick up these gifts for their family. And it was just this incredible time. And I, I just wanted to share with you one quick story um, that I think speaks to what we're talking about this morning. There was a, a woman who came in um, spoke a little bit of, it was broken English, and I don't say that as a criticism, because I think English was like her fourth language, and I barely speak English as my first language, so she was awesome. She was very tolerant of me. Um, she made small talk and then said to me, Chris, uh, where is where is my gift? Singular gift. And I was like, oh, she doesn't know, because Ryan and I, our student ministry coordinator and I, were actually putting boxes in, like, this, these industrial-sized garbage bags because she had so much. Because this woman was a grandparent. She had kids and grandkids that lived with her, a bunch of cards back on the tree. And I said, well, all of these are your, are your gift. This, this table, this is your gift. And you could all of a sudden see the recognition. She throws her hands up in the air and she said, Praise Jesus. She said, I am so thankful for you. And so part of the reason I tell the story is because she wanted me to thank you all for blessing her family. But the reason I share this story with you is because she kept raving about these gifts and they were wrapped beautifully. You all are beautiful gift wrappers. I am a gift uh, card and gift bag person myself. So I, I admire your gift wrapping. But these weren't luxuries. I bet not a thing in there was for her. Because... The things that were listed, I don't know what you think of when you think of getting gifts for for kids for Christmas. I can only think of what I myself asked for, Legos, video games, bikes. Things on these lists were socks, T-shirts, underwear. Warm socks was the most popular item because a lot of these families come from a place that is not December 30th, 31st, whatever the date is. New Year's Eve, Des Moines, Iowa. They're not equipped to handle this weather. And so that was what a lot of these things were. It wasn't, these weren't luxuries, these weren't things, but they brought so much comfort to these people. And the one thing she kept saying over and over again, the one thing that wasn't wrapped was a giant Costco box, Costco sized box of diapers. And she kept saying to me as we, as we walked out, I am so excited because I will have diapers for my grandbaby. I am so excited. Praise Jesus, she kept saying. In this season full of luxuries and gifts, sometimes the most life comes out of the seemingly smallest, um, most trivial necessities to some of us. Sometimes the biggest things come from the smallest places. Now, my invitation to us all today is to consider, and I think we can, get, um, we can get on board with this if you're like Pam and myself and Molly, or if you're like anyone, you know, if, if New Year's resolutions aren't your thing, I think we can all get on board with this. What is something that we can change this year about ourselves, starting from someplace small? Because if we're perfectly honest, sometimes those big audacious, hairy goals are the safe ones. Because maybe this isn't the year that I get the promotion. Maybe this isn't the year that I make twice the amount of money. Maybe this isn't, you know, this isn't the year that I run the two-minute marathon. Maybe this isn't the year that I drop 175 pounds. Maybe this is, you know, that's fine. I had that goal last year. That's fine. It can just be next year's. So, you know, it's just one of those things we do in January for the first, like, five days or whatever. <laughs> Statistically, I think it's like, like one, like nine days or something like that. And then people are, it's, it's fine, it's on to the next thing. Sometimes the things you can do in the next two minutes are the smallest but scariest changes. Something that you could do today is the scariest thing to do. And that's the thing that makes the most amount of difference. Maybe we don't have to travel halfway across the world to find peace, maybe we can call that loved one we haven't called in a while. That one we're scared to call, that call that takes two minutes, maybe that's the thing that's going to make the biggest amount of difference. Maybe we don't have to completely change our outward appearance. Maybe we can remember to say a quick prayer of thanks when we wake up in the morning. Maybe we don't have to make twice the amount of money. Maybe we can remember to to just try to read a Bible verse before we go to bed. It doesn't have to all be church stuff. You know what I'm what my resolution is this year? I'm gonna to try to leave a few minutes earlier to places so that I'm not road raging and I, I feel like I come into every meeting like Kramer. Like bursting into the room, just with like sheer anxiety, so that the first half hour of a meeting with a family, a, f- or a family member, a friend, or or a coworker doesn't have to be me like trying to come down from being anxious. I'm gonna try to truly be present for people by showing up a little bit early and putting myself in the best position to receive them. Sometimes the biggest things come from the smallest places. I'm going to tell you a secret about the month of January. I'm waiting to make sure there's nobody here that's going to stop me. There's nothing different about January than the rest of the year. There's nothing different, and there's nothing magical that happens. Somebody, like, we, we just decided that it was a different year. Not we. No one asked me. I would have picked, like, July or something. We just decided that it's a different year. There's nothing, there's nothing magic about it. We expect some clean magic slate to motivate us to change everything about our lives. A lot like this nation of Israel thought back in the day that poof, there was just gonna be this magic leader that was just gonna bless them, um, put them back on top, and all of a sudden, those things that they struggled with, they wouldn't anymore. That boom, all of their problems would be solved by one big giant change where they'd be on top again, and then the problems of their heart would be no more but it's the littlest things that we can change about ourselves that amount to the biggest differences. Just like the biggest change in the world came from the tiniest, most humble beginning in the person of Jesus in this story. Because those small things add up to big things. Life-changing things. Babies grow up, and one of them saved the world. When picture to illustrate this maybe. Uh, This is my godson, Leo. Uh, He was actually here at the service last night. It was a very uh, well-timed illustration on my part. Um, But he's he's just a few weeks old. And the reason I share this is not just because of how cute he is, because that's one cute baby. But he, this is like roughly the size Jesus might have been for this. And I don't know about you, that's not going to conquer anything. He might conquer your heart because of how cute he is, but he's not going to conquer your nation. That's not riding in on a horse and slaying your enemies. That's not... Co- the Roman Empire, what's that going to do? <laughs> I, I don't have a kid myself, so please pardon my ignorance when it comes to kids. This is like my first time being around a baby that's like fresh. <laughs> <laughs> might not keep that one for the next time. Um, He can't even hold, he can't even hold his head up. My friends had to tease me because because everybody else was talking normal. The first time I ever was around him, you know, the day he was born and then a few days, we would come in and check in on him. And I wouldn't speak above a whisper. As if the volume of my voice was going to just crumble him into dust. Every time I see him, I'm like, is he breathing? (laughs) Of course he's breathing, it's what they do. The word below him. The word below him right here is parakalasin. It comes from our text today. It says, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And consolation, I thought, that's a weird word. So I looked it up in the Greek, and I found out that this Greek word is actually translated to a bunch of different English words. And so I was like, yes, because that's when you know you got something good. The consolation of Israel, parakalasin. I looked up the root word, and it's parakaleo. Parakaleo. Everybody say parakaleo. Yeah, all right. Because it could mean consolation or exhortation or even encouragement, but those sound like very, you know, consolation, exhortation. That sounds like conquering language, the consolation of Israel. But if you look at the root word of parakaleo, a much more direct translation is a calling to one's aid calling somebody to come and help you. That's what that means. And instead of a Messiah that would be some human military or political power and exhortation on behalf of the people's interest, God took a much more direct route to the meaning of the word, the original root of the word. He, physically in the manifested form of Jesus Christ, came to the aid of his people. Instead of sending this, power, this human power He came came to help himself. Instead of giving mankind the dominating, conquering, military human ruler that they wanted, God gave himself in the form of the defenseless infant that they needed. The power of this story, friends, is not that some guy somehow identified a baby as the Messiah in the future. How did he do that? How did he know? Was there something about it? To focus on that threatens to miss the point. Simeon was a man who was listening for God and the ways that God could speak into his life. He was looking for the small things that God was inviting him towards. And we can do the same, listening and looking and being open for what God and his small invitations can be that all of a sudden can turn to big things in this new year. The power of this story is that Simeon saw the tiniest, seemingly small glimmer of hope from God and said, that can change everything. Simeon saw the tiniest, seemingly small glimmer of hope from God and said, that can change everything. So may we all now go in this new year and do the same. Please rise and pray with me. God, we thank you. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the ways you speak to us today. God, I pray that in this new year, maybe we'd be able to put aside the things that that we think are gonna make us whole, the things that we think are gonna fulfill us, and instead, listen for that small, still voice, God because we know that small things can sometimes be the biggest. God, maybe we see the small ways that we, in our own lives, can enter the lives of loved ones and enter the lives around us to live fully into the beautiful future that you have for us, God. I pray that we we would see those small invitations. We thank you for your son, Jesus, God. We thank you for coming into the small as defenseless. We thank you for for your death, another version of small, because God, we see that small, out of that small came the biggest, best gift we could ever be given. God, may we see those. May we take them. May we love you the best that we can. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. Go be good to each other. If you need If you need prayer partners, they will be available up here afterwards. And uh, I hope you have a very blessed start to your New Year's and your resolutions. Thanks.